Exploring the national parks across the United States is an opportunity that should not be taken for granted. To understand the profound notions of preservation and conservation, we must get as close to the land as possible. This album is a seed that is attempting to plant itself in you to see them for yourself. Captured in photographs are views of nine parks around the country with essays that catalog the author's experiences and thoughts while traveling through them. Exploring Our National Parks, Volume 1, is available now on Amazon. Hello and welcome to Party Line Chat. My name is Michael Finney. <laughs> Today I have Kurt Wuckert and Hannah Rosenberg joining the program. The three of us are based around the Chicago area, uh, generally, currently, or for the last few years. Do you guys want to introduce yourself and talk about the projects you're working on or have and the organization? organization um, by all means. <laughs> Thank you. For sure. Hannah, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, my name's Hannah Rosenberg. Um, oh geez crypto obsessed for like eight nine years now um what i do full-time at the moment is run a business called Bellis commerce where i do some um, you know blockchain crypto training and um crypto integrations um which has been a lot of fun i'm also the organizer for the bob meetup the bitcoin and open blockchain meetup here in chicago so that's that's what i do briefly although i could go on but we'll stop it there <laughs> Go on, Kurt. Thank you. Uh, so I'm Kurt Wilker Jr. Uh, I've also been in the Bitcoin space for this is going to be my eighth year now. Um, I am currently the chief Bitcoin historian for CoinGeek.com. Uh, I'm also a partner over at uh, CryptoTradersPro.com. Uh, at CryptoTraders, we teach uh, fundamental analysis, technical analysis for people that are uh traders and, and such, uh, but I am uh, more so full-time working on the history of Bitcoin, um, specifically uh, working in the big block space. I was a big Bitcoin casher, and actually before that, I was a big supporter of Bitcoin XT and Bitcoin Unlimited, uh, and I'm very much embroiled in the, the Bitcoin SV space, uh, among other things, but I, I consult with some of the businesses in the Bitcoin SV uh, ecosystem as well, uh, both independently and as, as part of my my role at CoinGeek. So that's that's most of uh, what people would know me from. Cool. Sounds good. So I like that title, Bitcoin Historian. <laughs> Thank you. I like it too. It was actually my idea. Somebody's <laughs> nice. <gonna do> it. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, mm. it's funny because I was doing freelance with them. I, I've written, I've been a ghostwriter for a number of publications. Uh, and then CoinGeek was like, hey, you know, like we can tell you're obviously, you know, ideologically a big blocker. Would you be interested in writing with us? And like, yeah, sure. What the heck? And so I started just kind of explaining old school fundamentals. And they're like, hey, you got to come on full time. But, you know, we don't know what to call you, like whatever. And so I was like, well, I will come on, but you're going to call me chief historian. <laughs> so <laughs> we, uh, they're like, hey, you know what? That actually sounds great. So it's uh, it's been fun. There you go. Cool. What all has that entailed so far? Uh, well, man. Uh, well, I'm I'm one of those people who has semi-regular uh, private email exchanges and stuff with uh, the enigmatic Dr. Craig Wright. Uh, 
discussing all kinds of things, but I'm, I'm also privy to uh, some of the stuff that's not been made public yet across a number of uh, across a number of channels. Um, nothing super groundbreaking, unless you've not been paying attention to it at all. But um, basically, just writing out. Uh, I've, I've written a couple of recent articles, for example, talking about like when Bitcoin's uh, source code was moved from SourceForge over to GitHub, which was something that uh, Satoshi uh, was very clear that he didn't want community development. And you know, people don't know this. People assume it went out to GitHub because GitHub's the most popular. And uh, Satoshi actually really liked SourceForge because uh, he was the only person with uh, pull request keys and that kind of thing. So I, I, think, I think a lot of the history of Satoshi has been generally rewritten. And uh, people are just unaware. They don't really think of it that way. People, I mean, the overwhelming majority of people that come to Bitcoin have come to it uh, since 2017. And, and the, the people coming to Bitcoin is kind of on this increasing scale of total quantity of Bitcoiners over time. Like most people are always new people. So I try to tell, right. you know, these <laughs> these things like, hey, you know what? You used to have to send money to a bank in a Estonia to, to make a Bitcoin purchase, like you, you didn't always have the you know, Coinbase yeah. and stuff like that. So, so those kind of things. Okay, interesting. So you look after that history. Mm-hmm. That's um, one thing I always wonder, though, is people like sit and talk about you know Satoshi meant this or Satoshi meant that. Mm-hmm. How much should we care? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I, I'm. I'm a history buff. This is actually why I wanted the history title. So mm-hmm. for me, um, I've, I've always loved political history. And it's the same kind of thing. Talk about, uh, you know, whether or not it's appropriate to storm the Capitol. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's one of those conversations that's like, well, I mean, we can we can look at modern civic law or we can look at the history of various civil unrests in this country and in others. And, or you can look at, you know, the foundations of the law and the foundations of the country itself and say, well country was actually founded by shooting at police and and soldiers and you know so were most others so if we're going to talk about you know why why is something okay i mean i think one of the things to consider whether you know something is good or bad is is to consider historical precedent so you know it, it might not be the most important thing what satoshi thinks about everything uh but i do think that it's worth considering uh, in almost every circumstance, I, I think to ignore it is uh, both arrogant and probably foolish. Right. Well, if we if we can't, if we do have records and information, I mean, it always seems like a pretty good idea to understand yeah. what's going on. But then I just want to be in the situation where it's like Satoshi, you know, w- was human, right? So <laughs> Satoshi didn't yep. necessarily know everything. So mm-hmm. we kind of have to to make choices that make sense here and now. So... Yeah. No, I, I, I struggle agree. with that one because, you know, I'm a huge fan of Satoshi's work, but at the same time, it's like you don't want to do the appeal to authority thing too much, you know? I, I agree. I, I think, um, you know, and as someone who who knows Craig, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, every, everyone who likes BSV just loves Craig. And like, you know, Craig and I have a cordial professional relationship, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we're, you know, we're, we, we don't wish each other happy birthday. Uh, so <laughs> you're not besties. You know, no, we're not besties. Not that I wouldn't. He's actually, he's, he's plenty of fun in, in person when he's relaxed too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's just one of those things. But I, I think a lot of people really sort of worship this 
this Satoshi godlike figure, and it's like, you know, I, I also think that's inappropriate. I'm, I'm not a I'm not a Craig worshiper. Uh, you know, in fact, in a, in a lot of ways, I think he can be uh, quite problematic from a PR perspective on a whole bunch of things. So, um, it, it's just one of those things. Like, you know what? You don't get to choose. You don't get to choose your parents, and you don't get to choose who. Uh, <laughs> who did all kinds of things you know you just got to make the best of it <laughs> pretty much you know and i th- i think a lot of people even do that in in all communities i think btc people do the same thing you know they assume like ah oh, you know satoshi must have been xyz thing that i also value and it's like right. you know what? maybe maybe he wasn't maybe satoshi and you aren't anything alike <laughs> satoshi so, was totally a carnivore right obviously right <laughs> yeah it Exactly. And yeah. it, and it's the same thing with other heroes, you know, like it, people will get obsessed with like a pop star or something too. And then, you know, you see behind the curtain and be like, Oh, okay, well they're not anything right. like I thought they were. And therefore now I don't like their music and all these things. And it's like, well, don't, don't make it so personal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about the role of events in, uh, the community physical actual person-to-person events uh kurt that's where i met you recently mm. and also uh, yeah hannah you know that's where that's where we met is is uh the bob events yep the bob meetup yeah um the role of those events well i'd like to give some nice speech about community building or something but honestly like it, it's always been a fairly selfish endeavor where it's just like i really love talking about this stuff and what could be better than hanging out in a bar drinking a glass of wine talking about crypto you know um but it's um it's been i think um you know, uh, my husband would get a little annoyed with me sometimes, especially way back in the day, you know, when I would start going to all these events and he's just like, you're, especially when I started organizing them, you know, and I'm just spending all kinds of money on this stuff. It's like, this isn't making you any money, but I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, trust me, this is going to work out. <laughs> you know? And in some ways it, you know, it, it absolutely has, because when you really, when you get to go out and hang out with people and spend time and talk, especially in person, you know, humans just bond better that way um you know you really wind up building a lot of fantastic relationships and so you know i never i've never gotten paid a dime really for um well i think i gave myself like 150 bucks or something at one point but you know (laughs) i've never like this has not been a money-making endeavor right you know organizing events not immediately but you could argue that my entire crypto career now is based off of all the relationships i made you know starting in like 2015 when i started to um that's when i came back to chicago um and when i started to attend crypto events so yeah it's been really really good and i think uh, for anyone who's just looking to get into the space or get you know more established and get the lay of the land or just develop you know a sense of community it's it's really awesome I can't wait right. till we go back to drinking at the bar. <laughs> yeah. So same. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny to, to hear you say that. Cause it, it really mirrors my experience too. My, my wife, uh, my wife's a, a freelance filmmaker. So she would come with me to, uh, some of the events that I was attending. And I used to go to, uh, some of the Ethereum stuff a number of years ago too. 
Um, and then I started the Bitcoin Cash Chicago meetup in 20, I think it was, yeah, it was early 2018. And, and then I now host the, the Bitcoin SV Chicago meetup as well. And she's like, how could, how could you do this? So like, what could you possibly talk about with <laughs> these people every month? And, you know, and, and I mean, we have a telegram group and we're, Hey, how does, how does this work? And, and we just like to talk scratch and like, she's. She's supportive because she likes the sort of the community aspect. So she will come sometimes. Mm-hmm. But she's just like, if I come with, you're not going to stay for an extra three hours and talk to some random person that showed up, are you? And I'm like, like no, I yeah, probably will. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's actually what that's I'm looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's it's the same thing. I'm, I'm really looking forward yeah. to, to exactly that. Like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll have three beers tonight instead of the one that I figured I would and oh yeah stay an extra hour yeah there there's definitely been some you know days after uh crypto events where I've stumbled into the office yeah but um (laughs) yeah for sure but it's great and and I love um you know, I think uh, sometimes being at a crypto event is like the most interesting room to be in. And mm-hmm. I think um, especially when I first started going to them, you know, the first Bitcoin meetup I went to is like the back room at someone's office. It was me and, you know, five other people. And, you know, half of them are like crazy and the other half are just <laughs> like still people that you're you're pretty close with, you know. Yeah. But um, you just get a really high concentration of interesting characters, not mm-hmm. necessarily people you're going to agree with, not necessarily necessarily people you're going to like but very interesting yeah. people <laughs> <laughs> now that that's true we, we inevitably get you know one or two people that are very um looking for a weird pyramid scheme or like they, mm-hmm. they really have no idea what blockchain anything is about except for they they know something vaguely about making money with it <laughs> so mm-hmm. They'll they'll show up and they they inevitably inevitably have uh, you know some kind of business card and they're part of multiple uh, pyramid schemes and so by yeah. the end of it they're trying to get you to come to their Tupperware party too and then it, yeah that's definitely <laughs> happened too you're standing there like oh how do I extricate myself from this conversation oh no right <laughs> like, like listen bro you should not be involved in any of this. <laughs> <laughs> But it's always entertaining, right? It's never dull. It is. So there's that. Yeah, no. Yeah, the crazier the crazier ones, the better for the for the stories, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's certainly some good stories. So, how have you seen your meetups evolve? Like I say, the first meetup I went to was seriously the back room at someone's office with like five mm-hmm. people, and then <laughs> I had a moment in probably the summer of 2017, maybe about August or so. You know, mm-hmm. when everything was going nuts. Yeah. Um, and I was just at their usual spot, but it was so packed. I couldn't like, I was like suffocating in the room. So I had to go outside from it. I'm just standing out there and I'm just looking, going, how on earth did this happen? Like it had just changed so much, you know? Yep. And then we had the the bear market and it chilled back out again for a bit. And then just had like, you know, it was just me hanging out with like my crypto besties, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm curious to see what your experiences were. All that. Uh, similar yeah i mean when i first started and i've been to a couple of the bob meetups i was not uh particularly social (laughs) at them because i didn't know anybody (laughs) but you know walk around kind of shake hands and and whatever Mm -hmm. um and then uh, there was one i went to like a co-sponsored bob event it was in 20 i think it was 2018 that was co-sponsored with untraceable events 
uh, and they were doing a thing in Chicago. Uh, it was their loyalty live uh, conference, uh, that, which I spoke uh, at. Bob. That would have been. The after party was a Bob. So a bunch of the Bob people came to the after party from the Untraceable event. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, You know, so it was some of those people, and I'm like, hey, you know, I I met you (laughs) two or three years. Nobody remembered me. So I was like, okay, that's cool. But um, I was the dude standing in the corner. (laughs) It's right. I'm the the six foot three guy. I don't know how you forget me, but that's fine. (laughs) But, um, Anyways, but yeah, you know, you, like you get those where it's like, wow, a hundred people showed up, and then three months yeah. later, once once it's not exciting anymore, you're back down to like your loyal eight people or whatever. But yeah, um, you know, so yeah, we we've been through a bunch of that. Uh, we moved. We were doing them uh, for a, a long while uh, through most of 2018 and 19 over in um, I can't think of what the neighborhood is called. It used to be the old fish market, uh, Fulton Fulton Market. Oh, in the west um, over there. Yeah, so we yeah. were uh, we were over at the arcade bar there, and we did th- those for probably a year and a half. Where we were meeting once or twice a month, and those were a, a lot of fun, but they were super loud. So yeah. it was always the day after. I was always like super hoarse. Yes, and so then we moved. Uh, we were moving uh, to the Ethereum Hack House, which is not far from there, and that was right when the pandemic started. So we never held an event at the Hack House. And we've been doing them Zoom since uh, since early this year. So, yeah, you know, whatever. And those we still get the same ten or twelve ish people. And then we've done the occasional. Um, we did a hash war party at a hot dog joint in Tinley Park. Would probably had twenty people. Uh, and that's that's where I finally met Michael in person. So that was nice. uh, that was fun. But yeah, they they go up and down. I kind of don't care how many people show up, <laughs> but it does make it hard to plan for sometimes. Oh, it makes it very difficult for the planning because it's, yeah, it's, um, you know, when I first started um, organizing the Bob meetup, we were meeting in um, Wicker Park in just this little pizza okay. place up there. Sure. It is nice and you get 20 people and we all hang out and we'd have fun. And then there was that event we had in 2017 where you just like, it was like, this is a fire hazard. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> like, cannot do this. Sure. And then we were just scouring the city to try and find different locations and we moved to M Hub for a while and did it okay. there. And yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe when the summer rolls around, we'll have some. Um, we uh, meet up at Sully's um, okay. sometimes and they have an outdoor space. So nice. Maybe when the summer rolls around, we'll go back to doing that. It's been hard to plan lately, so we're just going to see how it goes. We, yeah, we did. We at the patio on the first floor, we had an event out at, at Sully's, which was nice. It was a little chilly, but it wasn't too bad. Totally worth it. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. Fingers crossed. There'll be some nice uh, uh, rooftop crypto conversations happening in the summer, hopefully. Yeah, it would be refreshing. Mm-hmm. That would I be say, However, you know, I, 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 I haven't not enjoyed the Zoom style meetups. And I, right. I think, you know, in, in some ways, I, aside from like I work from home and I'm therefore on Zoom calls all the time. So it's a lot less novel than I think it would have been. But yeah, um, but I think it is interesting because I, I feel like a lot of times you get stuck in like your little breakout square because how many people can you talk to at once? So like we yeah. would do a presentation or something, but then I inevitably spend 90 percent of my time talking to 10 percent of the at- attendees. 
Right. And I like the Zoom style because it's kind of like, ah, oh, you know what? Somebody can filibuster the floor and then we can have, a, you know, a more, um, I guess, a more uh, fruitful discussion among everybody. And I, I think nobody feels like, well, I'm, I'm stuck in the corner of the table or whatever and therefore not being heard. So I, I do like that about the Zoom part. Yeah, no, there, there's benefits to it. For me, it's like I we do them and I enjoy them, but it's just not at all the same. So it's like yeah, agreed. I, but, I, yeah, I, I miss the personal socializing and stuff. That's that's the big loss. But I, you know, trying to here's trying to pick question. out the wind. Trying to some <laughs> in there, you know. I mean, I can, I don't have to like get on the train and go anywhere. So that's right. nice. <laughs> Do you think that there's yeah? A, there was a question. Yeah. Do you think that there's a, an ideal platform for connecting with people digitally? Uh, maybe the problem there is it it becomes like a platform that pushes mm. people up towards uh, an imaginary sort of. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't want to say pulpit, but like, what's the thing that you present from? That's slipping my mind. The word. Haven't been to any the, events. The lectern. Stuff, yeah, the lectern, like this imaginary <laughs> lectern where you're kind of like presenting to people the, uh, this large group and then uh, people carry on. Where here, I think maybe uh, this is a small group and it's also just dialogue focused. It's just audio and dialogue focused. Maybe maybe this is a, a better way to connect mm -hmm. with people, like a traditional phone style as opposed to video chatting where there's also an algorithm that yeah we've experimented with different things so i think it was um hubs is what it's called yeah yeah so we experimented we did um i believe it was a having party um so mm -hmm. last year and we uh did this i think the platform's called hubs it's a mozilla thing and so everyone like gets this little avatar and it's kind of like if you have a 3D, you know, like if you have a, or a, a VR headset, you can join that way or you can just do it on your browser. And the kind of neat thing about that is when it, it adjusts the audio so that when you're close to a group, like you can hear what they're talking about or you can kind of walk away and join a different group. So it gets a bit more of that, that feel of like that style of interaction when you're just hanging out at the bar. Um, and that was... That was fun. Like that was kind of cool. But I think I don't know. I think some people had trouble figuring out how to move around in the thing, and <laughs> we kind of added. Although there was that added some some a bit more of the feel that you're kind of trying to replicate hanging out at the bar. Um, it was kind of a bit of a, a learning curve for some people. Like how do I move around and you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. I've had some success. Um, I, so before I started working full time with CoinGeek, I was with a cybersecurity firm, hmm. and we were we were a Microsoft partner. Uh, so we used Microsoft Teams uh, quite a bit, and I was surprised how uh, robust the Teams platform was because it allowed you to to do like breakout rooms. the 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 manager of the of the talk could always like create multiple breakout rooms, and and the the display function was really good. If I want to do like screen share or share a PowerPoint or whatever. Um, I've never done it for like a meetup, but I've done it for plenty of sort of corporate bullshit meetings. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. was, and it was, it was good. It was, it was surprisingly good because I tend not to like Microsoft products. So um, I think wow. with a little bit of training, somebody that was good at using the tool could probably make a pretty cool event off of that platform. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there there are there are benefits to being at home. But yeah. 
What did you do with that cybersecurity? I'm sitting here right now in um, my Uggs and my sweatpants. Yeah. So I, well, it's funny. My boss just texted me. So apparently he's listening. He was like, "Hey, mention the company. It's it's go <laughs> go go Vanguard. Uh, go Vanguard dot com." <laughs> Um, we were, uh, I, I was primarily doing marketing, uh, for the company, but, uh, on the security side, I was doing, uh, social engineering for, for red team, uh, like persistent penetration testing events. So, uh, if we were to attempt to, uh, hack a, let's say it's a hedge fund or something, it would be my job to set up multiple sock accounts and do recon, try to befriend people on, LinkedIn, uh, build out fake websites and, you know, become an, an interested uh, potential client and just gather. I was doing a lot of information gathering. And then from that, uh, I would uh, usually help in the engagement. So actively sending emails and I'd have the team on. Uh, and, you know, if, if somebody would click the link, click, click the fake malware, like we would know instantly. And then I would be the guy to like pull the plug, like, okay, we got them. And then <laughs> we're, we're going to wrap. <laughs> So that, that, that kind of thing was a lot of fun. I really liked that part of the job. Uh, but it was also, like I said, just a lot of simple marketing stuff. I was writing, uh, doing article work and stuff for the company as well. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. I really liked that job. Cool. So random question. What's, yeah. what's the project you're most looking forward to this year? Just talk about oh, enthusiastic man. things for 2021. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, gosh. There's there's a few big things. Um, so there's a documentary coming out that's being co-produced by uh, CoinGeek, uh, discussing the early days of Satoshi. Uh, some of the some of the proofs that are not yet publicly known uh, that that Craig Wright intends to use in the various lawsuits and stuff once they've been used, um, and then some of the ones that I don't think will be made public until uh, we debut them. Uh, we're actually putting together like a, a Hollywood quality. Uh, documentary. Uh, I don't know how many parts it will be, but it'll be uh, very much in the vein of like the Netflix style uh, expose documentary style. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited to be working on that. Uh, so I'm I'm consulting. I'm helping with language and and all kinds of stuff in in that regard. So I'm excited for people to see that. Uh, so it's going to be a big project through the year. I don't know that'll be uh, debuted this year, but uh, it'll be something I'll be working on in the background. Uh, and otherwise, um, a lot of consulting on um, on some of the bigger projects that are uh, people don't really know about, but that are uh, intending to bring big corporate uh, transactions onto the Bitcoin SV ledger. So I'm excited for more giant blocks. The, the biggest block we've mined is 369 megabytes. Uh, there was no orphans before or after. The, the blocks preceding and proceeding were... Uh, about 10 minutes apart, and all of the data came from the public mempool. So big proofs that Bitcoin uh, absolutely can scale on chain without, you know, funny business, but 369 megabytes is certainly not uh, global commerce level. So I'm looking forward to bringing the, the average block size way up and, and celebrating those victories too. What do you think would be global commerce level for the size of a block? Well... Uh, what you do you look, compare it to, like Visa, Visa Plus MasterCard, Visa yeah. Plus? I can't remember the name of the crazy Chinese payment networks. But. <laughs> yeah, they, they have a few. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if you look at uh, 
Black Friday day. If we're just going to look at simple commerce, uh, Black Friday is the biggest shopping day of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see spikes on Black Friday of 50,000 transactions per second globally. Um, of course, it's a, a holiday mostly in the Western Hemisphere, so it's not global, global, but it's it's the biggest day for payment processors. Uh, I would like to see uh, blocks that show, you know, no problems and, and humming along at 50,000 transactions a second. So uh, that would be a big block. That would, that would be a very exactly. big block. But that's, that's a very big block. <laughs> it is. So and. Part of that, uh, what's being designed at Enchain uh, is a cloud-deployed um, node implementation that's called TerraNode. And as the name would imply, uh, it is intended to be able to do uh, terabyte blocks every 10 minutes uh, by containerizing all functions. So rather than having the node software where you know, you're using the, the RAM and the CPU and the, you know, everything of a single computer... You actually run it in a, in the cloud, and each thing is run as part of a different cloud machine that operates as a as a common machine um, using some of the more modern uh, technology, like basically like Kubernetes. For anybody that's uh, familiar with with how cloud computing works, it's it's similar to a Kubernetes style system. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited to see it happen. Uh, per usual, you know I'm. I'm not a big, you know, invest in Bitcoin guy. I'm not the guy that tells everybody to just go buy Bitcoin. I'm one of those guys who's like, let's see if we can just put the pedal to the metal and let's see when the doors fly off. So that's uh, that's what I, okay. I think is the coolest thing about Bitcoin. <laughs> so they're trying to build terabyte blocks using cloud computing. Essentially. So, yes, rather than rather than having simple node implementations like everybody has where you just download a package. Uh, they want them to be. They want miners to be thinking more progressively, like using using cloud cluster structure, and then hashing uh, using the hash power to be split up by multiple computers that are they're very very heavily specializing in each of the the various node functions. So it's it's a way to it's just a way to create efficiency that people haven't really thought of before. Uh-huh. It's interesting with everything that's gone on lately with like Amazon web service, um, mm-hmm. you know, banning parlor and stuff. Do you, do sure. you worry about cloud moving to cloud computing, causing higher risk of censorship? Uh, I would. So when I say cloud computing, I, I don't mean pushing to something like Amazon or, or Microsoft Azure or anything like that. I mean, literally the, the miners will become those cloud computing platforms. So they'll be deploying uh, their own clusters and then connecting multiple layers of the network like that. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a unique thing. The, the idea is ultimately, like over the long tail, let's say, you know, a decade or 20 years, uh, for the Internet to essentially become less efficient than Bitcoin in so much as it would make more sense to use Bitcoin as a general purpose network than it would, uh, than it would to even use the Internet itself. So I, I'm talking about basically replacing AWS with the distributed consensus of, you know, second and third generation node software uh, running on proof of work. I don't know, though. So all Internet traffic becomes requires proof of work. That would that would be a whole hell of a lot of proof of work. It, it would indeed be a whole hell of a lot of proof of work. But I mean, what's mm. what's cool about proof of work? It's it's a spam deterrent. Uh, makes sure that valuable information uh, makes it to the top instead of just loud information. Uh, it stops the censorship censorship issues that we're having with social media and all kinds of things. 
Uh, this is uh, in, in my Twitter profile. I say I've had coffee with Daniel Krawitz. Uh, Daniel, Daniel is a a huge proponent. Like, if you want to really, I know, I know Daniel. Well, I've I've been on a panel with Daniel. Should I update my Twitter profile? (laughs) Probably, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) He is the emperor of Bitcoin. (laughs) He is. He's an interesting character, but um, yeah. So he's he's a big fan of this one. He's a well. A lot of people don't know this about Daniel. Daniel's actually a a classically trained uh, physicist. Wow. So he's, um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what branch of physics, but when you talk, I mean, get him talking about black holes and, and he will go for six or eight hours without a breath. And, uh, he's, wow. he's an, yeah, no, he's Daniel. Daniel is so much smarter than, than anybody would even think people think of him as, oh, he's just, he's this Bitcoin guy and, and he is, but he's also that like, you know, th- theoretical, you know, matter isn't real and I can prove it kind of guy. So um, mm. he's, he's one of those guys that, that talks about, uh, all kinds of this stuff, but he, he created a protocol in 2020 called boost pow, uh, about using non non-financial transactions and proof of work on data. So as a spam service, you're using, uh, even GPUs or, or other cycles in the, uh, in the Bitcoin space to push valuable information to the top of the heap. So, you know, rather than clicking Facebook and scrolling, you could say, you know, what what things on Facebook have the most proof of work today, meaning that people are actually contributing hash power to something that they think is valuable, which is the the costly signal of Bitcoin in the first place. Right. So um, mm. it's granted it's it's an ethereal concept. I, I, I don't expect people to just instantly be like, oh, yes, that's a good idea. Of course. Well- but. You know, when there was that big rift, you know, in the community between, you know, Bitcoin, you know, core and Bitcoin cash and all that mm-hmm. stuff, it was interesting to me because a lot of it was very philosophical, right? There was all these sort of philosophical debates on this sort of stuff. And for me, it was always technical, you know, it was like, what, you know, because I try and stay out of people's trauma. I don't, I don't call people names on Twitter. I usually save that for Facebook, but (laughs) oh, I don't have the time to care who said what mean thing to who today, you know, no energy for it. Um, but to me, it's just, it's, it's always, it's very technical thing where I just can't understand how, um, everything, you know, being on chain is efficient, right? It's just like this, this efficiency problem that I see there where like, not every, I don't know, like we don't have to dive into a technical debate, but for me, it's just always this technical concern about the efficiency of that architecture. I don't know. Time will tell, I'm sure, but (laughs) yeah, you know, I, you know, but between you and me, I'm, I I like to be that guy who can have a big disagreement with somebody and, you know, shake hands at the beginning, shake hands after and and have a drink with that person after we leave the stage. So uh, by all means, I'm, I'm happy to, to talk about it. Um, I, I think on the one hand, it's, it's only partially a technical issue. Uh, I think the other thing, I I think the thing that people ignore most is the economic, uh, the economic incentive. Um, should all data in the world be on chain? I think the answer is, is no, actually. But, um, however, if that data can be made more valuable by having it be, uh, given more integrity. So let's say, important logistical data like can i sell this thing for 30 percent more if i can prove its chain of custody forever Uh, well then the answer becomes at least maybe 
And so I, I think as you take a look at those things, these aren't questions that should be answered in the theoretical. I think really the, the thing that makes the most sense to me is creating the tool and then letting entrepreneurs see if there's if there's profit there. And if there is, well, then, you know, then then you've created a disruption in even the, the, the quality, the transmission and, and the saving of data forever. So, yeah, I, it's, you know, it's funny because as much as a fan of I, as I am of this technology, I wind up just running around all the time telling people about how you don't need a blockchain for that <laughs> because I, sure. I find it to be um you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a developer, so working with, you know, sort of these standard systems, I mean, they're mm -hmm. centralized, right? But there's a lot of efficiency in that centralization. Sure. And I think there's a huge amount of inefficiency, and it's very expensive when you have decentralization. Now, sometimes you want that, and that is totally worth it, and that's the mm -hmm. only way something can work um, and maintain its, you know, uh, independence. So. I think there's this trade-off between, you know, we, we want this decentralization, but it's inefficient. And so it kind of makes sense, I think, to optimize how you use it rather than use it for just everything. I, but where so, those lines are. Right. And that's a thing. I, I think you and I, therefore, agree on principle and may disagree on where the line is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But the devil's in the details. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so I, and, and that's the thing. I, I think my biggest... My biggest gripe with the the small block ethos of don't use that, you know, don't don't spam the blockchain is is mm -hmm. a common thing. I, I always just look at it and say, well, I mean, who are you to tell me what to do? If Bitcoin is permissionless, why shouldn't right. I? There, there was who another. decides what is spam, right? Yeah, well, like, exactly. Yeah. I mean, because if I'm a billionaire, for me to send a, a million dollar transaction seems arbitrary. But if I'm someone in in the third world and I want to do Bitcoin transactions, and there are people saying, "Oh, no, 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 don't don't send one dollar transactions on on the on BTC," and then I'm looking at it and saying, "Like, well, shoot, why can't I join the, the global economy in this revolution?" Like, well, you're too right. poor. Sorry. <laughs> so, like, it it just it strikes me as. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, again. well, well, that sucks. That's not the revolution I signed up for either. Yeah, right. No, so, you, you don't want that. Then, then you wind up in that debate about what um, what we want it to be, right? Yes. Um, you know that store of value versus medium of exchange and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And and I'm I'm you know uh, stuck in some sort of strange middle land where I'm a huge fan of. Uh, the main chain being expensive and mm -hmm. second layers and also a huge fan of commerce and microtransactions, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's well, like, there you have it. I, I, I want, I want crypto, you know, I want Bitcoin to be a currency um, that we're all actually using. Cause I think that's when it, yeah. it achieves its, its full potential. Sure. Well, yeah. I, and I do too. And, and, and I think, I think that's the big problem between like big blockers and small blockers is like you have this, this innate fear that the other side is is evil and you know i i hear it on on the bsv side i even have i have bitcoin cashers who i was friends with for years who are like oh you're just this you know piece of shit sellout i'm like hey man like we like we've been friends for you know like <laughs> you know like, like why does it have to go there you know and it, it's just it's 
Uh, it's silly. It's like, oh, we disagree. We agree on everything except the exact way to implement a certain technology. <laughs> well, right, exactly. Right. How many how many megabytes per hour should be pushed across a global value network? You know what? Fuck you. That's a that's an insidious question. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good call. Yeah, I get it got a little intense there. But humans, yeah. humans have this problem in general that, you know, we see obviously in politics too, where, you know, that they just, they, they find something that they dislike or that they're scared of or they're worried about. And then they just latch onto that thing is bad. And then it becomes this false dichotomy, yeah. you know, sure. of this, like, you know, these, this binary choice, the bad guy and the mm. good guy. And we just, uh, humans, I think in general, um, are very good at doing that and not so good at like seeing all of the gray in between those two, you know, for sure. intense extremes. So, uh, and, and I, I think there's a, I think that's actually a good segue to like, this is why it's important to have uh, one-on-one conversations with people or have them in person. Cause I mean, I, I have, I have rarely met someone who I disagreed with on the internet, who I then later met in person and was like, Oh, yeah, I mean, th- th- this person's a reasonable person. They have yeah. a family and they have their own loves and fears and all the, it's like, you know, why would I hate them over this stupid idea? So. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's easy when you're, it's so abstracted out on something like social sure. media to just fixate on that one little thing. For sure. Well, yeah. and I, I think, I, I think there's two other aspects in, in the Bitcoin space is that a Bitcoin is innately competitive uh, right. And then B, <laughs> like there's there's so much weird financial incentive tied up. Like n- nobody nobody doesn't have a conflict of interest tangled up in their opinion. Also, and so it becomes uh, like not only are you telling only me I'm point or the other, yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. like not only might I be wrong on my facts, which would be embarrassing enough, but like I may also die poor because I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, so it's like. Yeah, it's. It, I think it, it makes the Bitcoin talk, you know, particularly toxic. So I, I get it in that sense. Turns up the emotional intensity on some things. Are right? yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That it certainly does. Yeah. But. So I, I think that was like the twenty minute, uh, twenty minute uh, interlude. But I'm curious. You asked me what I'm excited about for 2021. So <laughs> Hannah, what are you excited about for 2021? Yeah, no, this is kind of where my head was at is I um, I have some educational projects I work on, which are, are really cool and, and fun. But I have um, I'm hoping to do a lot of work on actually integrating crypto payments into systems, um, which is what I'm really excited about. Um, and well, geez, I'm excited about all of it. I have this hideous problem of just like, you know, wanting to do all the things, but there's only so many hours <laughs> in the day. <laughs> but, yeah. But at the moment, I'm hoping that, you know, I'll get to spend a lot of 2021 actually um, integrating crypto payments into things, which would be a lot of fun. At this project I'm working on, which, you know, is, is, hasn't, isn't official yet, so I won't say anything about it. But it's, um, yeah, cool stuff. So I'm hoping to, you know, I get torn between being an educator and being like a tech nerd, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so I have, um, I don't know might dive into being a tech nerd for a while again, which would be fun. Nice. Yeah. That does sound like fun. It is. It is. But it's so different. You know, I mean, I was a developer for um, 
a while uh, working full-time as a developer. And then now I'm running a business full-time and just like mm -hmm. the, the difference in mindsets between those two things. It's like, uh, you know, when you're a developer, you get to really indulge your obsessive tendencies, you know, <laughs> <It's> gonna, <laughs> absolutely. I'm just going to sit in this room and I'm going to sit back there on that couch with that headphone, which means don't bother me. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to sit there for like, I'd sit there literally five hours straight. I won't even get up and go to the bathroom. I'm just going to sit there for five hours, you know, fixated on something. Um, and that, that can be a lot of fun. I joked that like when I started working full-time as a developer I, developer, I could just like watch my social skills atrophy as I was doing it. You know? <laughs> but um, it's, it's such a huge difference um, in mindset than when you're having to, to run a business or when you're teaching. Um, it's very, very different. So it's... Um, mm -hmm. What yeah. is what is your uh, your area of expertise in development? Um, so I focus on Bitcoin um, and uh, Bitcoin integrations, and then uh, Lightning Network. So I do a lot of work there. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. which is cool. So are stuff. you a, a C plus plus background, or what's? No, what's your, no, my like development education? stuff was all. More traditional. Well, I actually studied economics. I didn't study tech at oh, all at <laughs> university. Sure. Um, nice. But then got into tech, and I was a LAMP stack developer for years. So that's PHP, oh, Apache, yeah. MySQL, all that sort of stuff. Sure. So the stuff I do now, though, is um, I think it's more, you know, the architecture of trying to figure out how to integrate. Well, I did a lot of e-commerce stuff. And e-commerce e um, just credit card payment workflow is very different than the crypto payment workflow. Sure. Yep. And so you wind up with all of those type of issues and just, it's, it's a lot of fun trying to um, adjust systems, you know, to get it all to work together. And mm -hmm. so I work on that sort of stuff. Yeah. And integrating, cool. you know, so I, I, yeah, you wind up, you know, I don't, um, I wind up, you know, selecting tools more than writing them myself, which is. Sure. Makes sense. Fun, and then I, I miss I miss just sitting down in the corner writing code <laughs> all day sometimes. So then sometimes I find myself like over engineering something because I'm like, <laughs> but if we do it this way, I can write a plugin that does blah blah blah. You know? Right. Yep. <laughs> so I have to be careful not to uh, over engineer myself. Uh, For know, sure. A dev day. Yeah, no, makes sense. I, I work with a lot of I've worked with developers at Go Vanguard and now, you know, I, I consult in a couple of companies and everybody's uh, we're, we're moving everything to react and then we're going to connect you know, I got guys that are just rewriting node software and Golang because they needed mm -hmm. to do, you know, these three things that can't be done otherwise. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> all right, well, see, I guess see you in two months. <laughs> so Yeah. And it, it's such such a different mindset too. You really have to, okay, like, I can build this thing, and this would be really awesome. So this is my developer brain wants to, but then I have to stop and use my business brain and say, okay, we could yeah. do that. But is that what actually makes the most sense for this situation? Sure. And usually, to my great disappointment, the answer is no. So you wind up <laughs> just using something else. Right. But, yeah, yeah, well, that perspective, yeah. it's... Well, and then you end up looking at your stack, and you've got you know forty SDKs and different things in your in your dependency Ooh. stack and all that. It's like, oh god, this is a maze, <laughs> which is exactly yeah. what you don't want. Yeah, well, exactly right. And, and, you know, 
see a lot of that, but it's, you know, when, when things get bootstrapped for like, oh, there's a hackathon in 20 days that I want to qualify for or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I miss it sometimes though. I want to like take for a sure. three week vacation and go write a plugin. And in some ways it is. Like development's hard and it'll drive you crazy, mm-hmm. but it like it uses a completely different part of your brain. So in some ways, it's like sitting in the corner writing code for three weeks is like a vacation from my inbox, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can I can relate with that. I, I like to. It's actually I started writing. It's it's funny. I'm I, people people think of me as a writer, and I have like no, I didn't. I wasn't even a particularly good writer until, you know, just the last couple of years. I, and even now I'm, I'm like super nervous. Every time I submit an article, I'm like, well, here it is. Everyone's going to know I suck. <laughs> and like, I, I, imposter I, syndrome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, like it's funny because I just started doing it like amid these, uh, it, actually the scaling debate, it was like 2017 coming up to Bitcoin cash and being like, okay, what do I actually believe and, and why do I believe it? And so I just started mm-hmm. writing my thoughts and I was like, ah, you know what? I, I haven't heard anybody say it this way. I'm going to, I'm going to push it as a ghostwriter because I don't want anybody to know it was me either. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and, and now it's become this therapeutic thing where it's like, ah, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to write a 2,500 word essay today and everyone needs to leave me alone. <laughs> so yeah. It's yeah. weird. And then also you can do really good work when you get in the mindset. It's like, you know, that whole thing, dance, like no one's watching, you know? Yes. <laughs> and and so you can't code, you know, thinking about your code review and you can't write an article yeah. thinking about the comments, right? Like you have mm-hmm. to just like, you know, every time I do that, I sit down like, you know, no one's ever going to see this. I'm just, I'm just making notes, you know, and then when you can do it that way, I think it, it winds up when you can get into that mindset, it makes it all not only a lot more fun, but I think it, it generally improves quality. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really good advice. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, writing something, thinking about a code is just horrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Well, I, Do you ever see that meme of some guy sitting, it's like North Korea, and there's some guy sitting at a computer, and like Kim Jong, whatever it is, is looking yeah. over his shoulder, and he's like surrounded by military people, and it says, <laughs> how to code with zero bugs. <laughs> just like... Oh, jeez. I think I have seen it, yeah. yeah it's, oh, that would it's be a true. nightmare. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's funny. You know, people like the creative process and all of that. I, I think coding is a little more ethereal. I think people can relate less with writing code uh, than they can with writing you know an essay i guess but yeah. uh, but it, but it is it's interesting because it is actually the same basic process like it's just a different language so you know somebody that knows and you know going through code review is uh terrifying. <laughs> is really something. Absolutely yeah it's terrifying yeah. <laughs> but i mean it, it's good but it's um yeah 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 but it, it can sure. yeah yeah i i have to ask what it like do you do anything like do you have a weird hobby or anything that's like your de-stressor that people might not know about you no i don't really and i probably should like i need to step away from the computer i don't well okay so i have things that i do when like my brain's just overwhelmed well i love sci-fi so i'll watch sci-fi all day and then i'll watch like 
horrible, like the pimple popping videos on YouTube, which, you know, everyone's horrified by. <laughs> I do too. It's actually scary that you said that, to be honest, because I do the same damn thing. <laughs> and it's like, I know it's disgusting, but it just relaxes me. So I'm just going <laughs> to. That's, that's awesome. Like it's horrible, but it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, I, I'm in a very position is that I get to do, you know, the things that I really love. So I get to choose projects based on things I really want to do now. So it kind of, except when there's a deadline, then it makes it not fun. But for the most part, when you're starting a project, like that is my hobby. So when I need to unwind, yeah, it's just going to be popping videos that doesn't require any neurons to fire at all. (laughs) Just, it's just like a massage. Just lay there and enjoy it. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually, I, I do that too. So I'm actually also something I, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm, I'm always afraid when I say I'm a sci-fi nerd that people are going to start with like, well, how many Philip K. Dick books have you actually read? And then I'm going <laughs> to look like an ass, but, but, but I do like sci-fi. Uh, two or three, yeah, maybe yeah. like mostly in high school. There are a lot of them. I think yeah. I've only th- read one. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, yeah. I think he's yeah. maybe written a hundred short novellas or whatever. Yeah, so there's a lot. Yeah. But, but yeah, I like just whatever trashy Star no, Wars or whatever. I'm I'm all Star Trek. So yeah, yeah. I've got oh, okay. you know I can debate with you about my favorite episode of Star Trek all day. <laughs> that I got Pretty down. Cool. Nice. But the other stuff, yeah, no, I have no idea. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Uh, my my other one. So when I'm not nerding out, uh, and it's quite a bit less uh, since the pandemic, unfortunately. But I'm, I do uh, mixed martial arts for like nice. the last ten years now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's my my I know, did martial sweat it out thing. <laughs> for years when I was younger um, mm-hmm. and uh, the sight of a boxing ring still makes me incredibly anxious. Like it turns out that, you know, getting punched in the face is just not at all my thing. But, um, <laughs> so I'm more of a yoga person now. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Some people really like that's invigorating to them, you know, it, it is. To me, it's like a trigger to every fear response in my body. You know? Yeah. So it's no, what? No, it, it, honestly, I, I started the same because I was always like I was a I was a nerd. I'm a big nerd. I'm I'm a very big guy, but I was not uh, not tough. <laughs> so at <laughs> least I, you know, I, I didn't play sports. I was I was never that guy. I was always like in the economics club or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah, but me too. Right out of right out of high school, I was like, ah, you know what? I always wanted to be a ninja, and I guess this is how it starts. So I. <laughs> I started, uh, I, I walked into a Carlson Gracie jiu-jitsu team, uh, mixed martial arts school. And now, nice. now I coach, I, co- I coach Brazilian jiu-jitsu and stuff a couple nights a week. And that's awesome. It's yeah, it's, it's fun. So I'm I like, I became an athlete in my twenties and I'm now 34. So nice. it's, uh, one yeah. thing I really liked about martial arts was that like structure and discipline aspect of it, mm-hmm. you know? Which yeah. I, I think it's it's kind of hard to find in other things. Yoga is great, but it doesn't really have mm-hmm. that sort of type of thing to it. 
So. It's yeah, you're you're only really competing with yourself in yoga, which I also practice a, a bit primarily as like physical therapy, but yeah. um, to recover from your jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my like I I always have like lower back issues, and I'm like, yeah. okay, I just need to, I need to do yoga for yeah, a week now. Yoga, you do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it's 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 funny because I I never, I, I mean, I just wasn't that athlete, and even now I'm still. Like, I think people at the gym are like, oh, Kurt's kind of that lazy guy, but I'm also such a, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm such a good problem solver that I'm like, well, you know, you, you might be 24 and on steroids, but I am a lot smarter than you. So, like, well, if, I can, if I can weather the storm, I can win. <laughs> about jujitsu too, is because I did some mm-hmm. of that, is it, it's very strategic in, like, how I can make yes. the best use of momentum and energy and weight and that type mm-hmm. of stuff, rather than can I just, and my arm's bigger than yours and I can punch you harder, right? There's exactly. a lot more strategy in jujitsu, which is makes it pretty interesting. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and in that, yeah, it is. It's, it's like the nerd's martial art, where it really is not yeah. about your, your physicality. It's, it's your ability to solve problems on the fly. So it's yeah. Uh, n- nerd weaponization I, I, is a word <laughs> I have commonly used on the mats. Nice. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it's fun mm. stuff. Cool. Yeah, it's making me think of my gym days a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, get a well, gym I mean, membership again one day. That would be right. nice. Uh, any, anything anything to get me out of my robe and slippers after you know 10 hours at my desk so oh god yeah i go for i go for walks a lot now because it's like you just have to i have to leave the house and even when i was yeah. working from home before the pandemic like i would mm-hmm. go sit at a cafe for an hour or something yeah. just like that process of getting out of the house just puts you in like the mm-hmm. it's not it's not sunday afternoon you know Right. I need to be doing something. I need to be productive. So it yeah. puts you in the right state of mind. So yeah. Yeah. I do I, I I do twenty or thirty minute walks once a day too. So my, my wife yeah. and I will go out. We'll take the baby out. I got the eighteen month old son. So when it's nap time, it's like, all right, I gotta put my pants on, go for a walk, do this whole <laughs> thing. Like be, be be a respectable human for half an hour. <laughs> no, we do the mandatory family walk. Every day, I think nice. pretty much every day. Because yeah, otherwise, yeah, you smart. just you drive each other insane in mm-hmm. here all day. Yeah. Ah, fun times. Well, well, gents, it was fun to talk. How are we going for it here? Uh, yeah, I mean, question, Michael. What do What do you got? You can <laughs> You can talk about anything you want to. You can go for as long as you're available. Uh, I'm not going to make anybody stay longer than they want to. I think maybe. Okay. No, I just, I, I did, I did. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying I, um, I, I promised my daughter I would play a video game with her this afternoon. <laughs> so I am going to get in trouble if I don't eventually go do that. Oh, okay. I don't want <laughs> you to get in trouble with your daughter for sure. Um, I suppose yeah. the, the, yeah, I, I should, the, the last thing I might ask is, um, you know, how, how can the payment methods that are that are being implemented by the two solutions you guys prefer, how can they be combined at times mm-hmm. or more easily bridged? Maybe oh. excluding. Um, yeah, you're, you're you're 
breaking up a little yeah, bit, Michael. We're missing like every, or at least I'm missing every third word or so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy. I don't know. What so I think like what the question is you're saying is you're talking about. Yeah, you're talking about sort of the different um, uh, sort of solutions to crypto problems, right? Sort of Kurt's fan of big blocks. I'm a fan of, well, things like second layers. And you're talking about where do these things come together? Right. Well, I would say, first of all, is that there's like, how do you say it? What's that commercial? Por qué no los dos? You know, <laughs> like, why couldn't we do both? Um, and I think this is, you know, all uh, a grand experiment, right? And of course, it's a grand experiment with a lot of on the line, a lot of people, you know, entire net wealth online. But um, it's, it, I think we just have to experiment and find out what actually works. And so I can make a guess based on, you know, what I'm looking at and the knowledge that I have, and I can make a guess on, I think, you know, having this type of first layer and that type of second layer, these sorts of things make sense. And I'm going to go support these things and see how it plays out. But, you know, and it's not awesome. This is what I tell um, a lot of Bitcoin maximalists um, when I'm I'm talking to them. They're like, you know, why would you, you know, why do you hang out with those Ethereum thing? (laughs) You know, like, it's Bitcoin, it's all Bitcoin. What I tell them is I say, hey, okay, maybe it's all Bitcoin, but, you know, like all these other coins, well, they're just a great test net, aren't they? Like, why don't we go let them try all these cool new things and figure out what works and what doesn't? And then we can just adapt what's proven, you know? Like, oh, well, maybe, you know? So it's like, it's all a really grand experiment. And I have, you know, it is, I think, all about your goals. My specific goals is I would really love to see this turn into an actual currency, you know, a, a, a very, you know, not just a proof of concept currency, which is, I think where we're kind of at now, but an actually used global currency. Um, and so I am all for experimentation and mixing different things and trying different stuff until we, we figure it out, you know, cause we still got a ways to go on figuring that one out. Yeah. I, I it, interestingly enough, I, I basically agree. You know, I, I, I look at the problems um, differently than a lot of people. And it, and it sounds like you actually are looking at problems differently than most of the people I talk to as well. I, I think so many people come to the space either from like this pure ideological, like we need to separate from the system. This is my my Swiss bank account for the common man kind of thing. Or mm-hmm. or it's this, this investment vehicle and that's really all that matters is sound money that you know makes me rich or whatever. Right. And, and, and I get that. That's it's not an invalid use case. In fact, I think it's a very valuable use case. But, yeah. um, but if I believe that the technology was created to solve problems in addition to that, and and I don't see a reason why we can't be working on that today. So, uh, in much the same way, it's like, well, I, I don't see the reason why we can't be at least attempting to integrate the blockchain technology into real business today, rather than these sort of like vague startups. And uh, one of the things I dislike about Ethereum projects, for example, is almost all of them start with a token that's not really necessary in the economic sense, uh, but they're using it for kind of startup liquidity, even if they're not calling it an ICO, that's still kind of part of the, the conversation. And Mm-hmm. You know, and then they don't really scale. And then like with DeFi right now, we've got, you know, it's a hundred dollars to open up a Uniswap account and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And 
and it's like, well, okay, so then Ethereum doesn't really work for anything bigger than what it is. And, you know, arguably it doesn't work at the scale it's at now. Um, so I, I look at those things and say, okay, like, what if I wanted to take, let, let's say, a, a top 500 business in the settlement or or some kind of economic transfer space or or maybe even like the the kind of client that like Ripple would be chasing as an organization to say, hey, we've got this solution. We can do X amount settlements per day with X amount value and all of that and actually pursue them. And I think there's so few people that are saying, you know what? I want to bootstrap a business that uses a blockchain for massive throughput. Um, I, I, in fact, I would argue that there's almost none. Like most people are just not thinking about spending cryptocurrency transactions or, or making Bitcoin transactions that that transact a huge amount of value and hope to make money as a business. I think almost everybody is somewhere above ninety nine percent just wants to buy something and, and sell it in the future for more money. And well, I, I mean, um, are you just talking to people on Twitter? <laughs> but it's, um, I do. Well, uh, Cause I, I teach, I teach a um, co-teach a blockchain class at mm-hmm. UIC and it's business students. And so I get to talk to a lot of business students who are thinking about applying blockchain to various mm-hmm. different business scenarios. So I get to have a lot of those conversations. Sure. And those are really fun, interesting things. But I don't, I don't know, kind of, we all get stuck in our own little bubbles. It's hard to say what's like the actual uh, prevalence of that line of thought. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess if there was an example of a thriving business that was thriving because of its use of blockchain in their business, then I would say, like, oh, well, here's, and, and I guess the only real example, I mean, I can think of a few, but like in the Ethereum space, I would say maybe like, Brave Browser and, and Bat are, are are probably the best example of a business that's utilizing a token as part of their business model. Like, right. In a way that and, really makes sense. You're like, yes, it, this, it, exactly. this works. This is, right. Yeah. Like the, the token the has a business purpose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, so the so I, I so I give them nothing but praise, you know, and I, I yeah. say, Hey, cool, you guys are are running a real business that is using a real token. And then in the BSV space, I use the Twitch social network constantly, and I'm friends with the founder and stuff. And, you know, they, they've been profitable since day one because they have very little infrastructure and every tr- action is a transaction. And they get, I, I think they get a penny from everything that occurs on the network. And, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Like you're, you're running a real business on chain. You're using, like, you're using the tool as the tool and not as, you know, part of your treasury or, or whatever. Right. And so I, I, I really, really think we need to have more of that in order yeah. to not just get written off uh, by the government and all kinds of things. It's like a weird anarchist niche of the economy that just needs to be snuffed out. So, Well, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, they'll write you off if they can <laughs> if you step on their toes. Of course. <laughs> but it's, but no, but it's I, harder. I, it, it's harder when there's, you know, when you can say like, Actually, there's a $10 billion business sector over here not using it as gambling and right. money laundering and all these things, you know? That that would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I agree. But yeah, no, I do. I want, I care about um, this stuff actually being used. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice as a store of value, you know, like that's number go up is always fun. I don't complain about that, sure. but, but, but that's not why I'm here, you know? Right. Like that's just, this is really fun side game, you know, to open the browser today and what's going on now, you know? Mm. But, um, but yeah, I, I want, I want to see it actually. Used. And so I think experimentation on how to use it or how to make it work um, mm-hmm. at scale is, is good because I think it's, it's a, it's a tough problem to solve. It is. Well, and that's, you know, despite all the drama that, I mean, it's why I ended up in the BSV space is, is, you know, everybody wants to talk about, you know, Craig being this bad person and he's not very nice and all of these things. And I, I think that's, you know, while some of those things are true, uh, you actually look at like the engineers who are solving problems that, that nobody else is really even asking. And, and that's the, that's the stuff that um, really has me excited in, in that space is, is to see like, oh, okay, like this company has a hundred engineers that are trying to create next gen node software and, and that kind of stuff. And so I, I think, I, well, I'm a, I'm a big believer anyways in, in swinging for the fences. And if you miss, at least you can say, hey, you know what? We tried really, really hard. And we figured out some interesting things along the way. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if we all fail, maybe someone can repurpose the work and, and change <laughs> exactly. the world anyways. It's <laughs> yeah. a cool thing about open source software. Is it yeah. again? Yep. Sure. Well, on that note, I'm going to have to get out of here because family dramas for failing to uphold my parental duties. <laughs> So, hey, well, uh, thank you. It was it was really nice to to finally talk to you, Hannah. Yeah, it was a fun conversation. Thanks for having me. For sure, be good. All right, I will. Enjoy it's going to take game. me now five minutes to find the exit button. But uh, oh, leave server. There it is. All right, cool. All right, I will talk to you all soon. Have a good one. <laughs> See you, Hannah. You too. Kurt. So I there. think uh, on on that note, Michael, I'm, I am. Okay. If if you don't have anything super pressing for me, I'm I'm happy to answer another question or two if you want. But there, there uh, was actually a if, question from if, Periscope. Uh, somebody was asking about the sure. Satoshi coins that were moved. I I have no non-public information about those, <laughs> but but only because it happened over the weekend. Um, I I would. Uh, the fact that I know nothing would lead me to believe that it is probably nothing. Um, cause if it was something, I probably would have been alerted for the sake of producing a press release. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I, 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 I really don't know. I, unfortunately I don't know. Right. Uh, the only thing I saw was that the tweet that was floating around. So I, I have no idea about it. I always assume stuff like that is just kind of like, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly a Satoshi era wallet that moved, but I, I'm, I haven't looked at it closely myself because I, I tune out on Saturdays too. So I, I haven't even had the chance to really dig into it myself. Yeah. Well, uh, if there's, yeah, if you want to, if you want to say anything or talk about anything, uh, that you're looking forward to, uh, you know, feel free to talk about that or any of the projects a little more in depth here, you know, yeah. feel free to go there. Sure. Uh, I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll go maybe five minutes here. Um, and I'd like to point out, um, just, just a couple of shout outs, actually. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of really, really awesome work being done, uh, by, by the guys from tonic pow, uh, tonic uh, they're, they're 
trying like hell to change the the face of the ad industry. And I, I think it's a, a really crucial project there. They've been <laughs> busting ass. I'm, I'm friends with the two guys that run the company. And uh, I helped them a little bit with marketing. Um, and they are, yeah, that's, it's, it's such a cool idea. And it's so important. It's, it, you know, to revolutionize the way that ads are used across social media is, is, a, is a big thing that we need to fix. And uh, so they deserve a shout out. Uh, I think um, most of the people listening, I imagine, are on Twitch anyways. But anybody who's not should check out Twitch as well. Um, I think it's the best uh, simple human use case uh, for, for Bitcoin and for blockchain technology generally to, to show what is actually capable of being done in that you can put information, you can send you know photos, and, and it works like Twitter, and everybody gets paid out. Like the economic model that underpins it is really interesting. Like it is an incredible proof of concept, and uh, but more than that, it's also it's a profitable business today, and so I think they deserve a lot of credit for uh, just just creating all of that. And I, so when people talk about Bitcoin SV, like I mentioned with Hannah, like everybody wants to talk about Craig, and like Craig is an interesting fellow, but by no means should he be uh, you know this this filibuster of information that everybody's focused on Craig, because uh, even Craig would say. Like the the purpose of locking down the protocol was to hand over that power of the protocol over to businesses to build something cool, and there are actually people building some really really cool things, and uh, they they deserve a lot more uh, they deserve a lot more credit than than they're given by uh, certainly by the mainstream crypto media, but but really by everybody. I, I think uh, those people building the businesses on top of BSV are are very important group of people and i'm really uh proud to call a lot of them friends yeah there's a lot of great projects i think um the two that you named are definitely some some showcase efforts twitch is no small feat and mm-hmm. uh what tonic pow does in terms of reference um influencer style link marketing super great mm. uh it basically it allows you yeah. to create a marketing and advertising campaign for dollars for any project that you want and to be able to distribute it out through the networks that already exist. Mm-hmm. So anybody that is uh, interested or curious in being able to create advertising campaigns, referral advertising campaigns, you can do that with Tonic Pow for uh, the price of BSV. Mm-hmm. And I've got a short video on them as well. Yep. Yeah, it's in, it's incredible. Nice. There's a yeah. I mean, I, I try to do like a feature so, on on one or, or two a month if I can. Cool. Yeah, man. Well, if you uh, want yeah, to I, I I I like your content on that. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't <clears> want to keep you if you if yeah. you got some other things yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, I I should jet. <laughs> no problem. Well, we'll talk before too long. I do appreciate you coming on, and uh, this is out on YouTube as well for sure. So. Be good, and I will talk with you before too long. Awesome. Well, thank you, Michael.